0: big win against Nebraska and feeling pretty good. Now you don't feel quite so good after they lose to Texas San Antonio, but they've got a, an opportunity in the next week to maybe write the ship a little bit, but it's not going to be easy. And they, they head to Virginia to take on the university of Virginia, who is a massive winner over William and Mary joining us here from Cavs corner, part of the rivals.com network is Damon Dillman. Uh, Damon, you've uh, got a chance to watch this, uh, Virginia team last weekend. And, uh, Tell me they're not as good, uh, just so Atlanta fans have a little bit of hope. Tell me they're not going (laughs) to beat everybody 43 to nothing.
1: Well, let me – I should probably start by saying this. I don't know how much you can actually glean from that William & Mary game on Saturday night because, especially from a defensive standpoint, UVA's defense looked tremendous. But William & Mary, they were missing their starting quarterback. They were missing their top running back. They were missing their starting left tackle from the last couple of years. And even with those guys, they were picked to finish 11th out of 12 teams in the CAA this season. So I think it would be a whole lot more cause for concern if they hadn't looked the way they did against William and Mary, as opposed to being really excited because of the way they looked. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily intended to go out and pitch a shutout. uh, But still, I think, I think there were a lot of positives there, but you can only take so much given how limited William and Mary was now from the offensive side of the ball. I think the final numbers look better than UVA actually did from an offensive standpoint. They came out and tried to get maybe a little too cute, a little too tricky early in this one. They did a lot. They, they ran a lot of plays where they had multiple quarterbacks on the field at the same time, two or even three quarterbacks on the field at the same time. If you consider Keaton Thompson is a guy who he came here, he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school, played at Mississippi state for a few years, played quarterback at Mississippi state the whole time. Uh, then transferred here as a grad transfer prior to last year and hurt his shoulder in camp and couldn't throw anymore. So they kind of started moving him around the field just to get him on the field. He's that good of an athlete and he's that much of a potential game breaker. So he caught a couple passes, passes, uh, ran the ball a few times, didn't throw any passes, but he's still listed nominally as a quarterback. But yeah, but long story short, they tried to do maybe a little too much, get a little too, too tricky early on. And then once they kind of got back to basics a little bit more, things started to slow down and they started to execute better against William and Mary. So I don't know, they definitely need to get off to a faster start offensively than they did. uh, They'll need to this Saturday against Illinois than they did against William and Mary. I know you look at 43 points and 500 some total yards and you're like, ah, they rolled and eventually they did, but it was not the crispest most clean start you'll see from a football team. And they were able to kind of, piece things together and get it going late in the game, but they were not happy about the way they played offensively.
0: Illinois' defense has a tendency to make teams look good as well. Um, (laughs) So um, that's kind of been a thing. So, um, you know, they gave up 497 yards last week to Texas San Antonio. So, and, and I will say this, although Texas San Antonio doesn't sound like a good team, they're pretty good. And they, you know, they've been, they've actually had better recruiting classes in Illinois the past three years. So it kind of, it eventually plays out there, but Virginia now, How are I looked at their stats. They used a bunch of different running backs. Um, Uh It wasn't like one guy. Um, It looked like quarterback put up good numbers, like you mentioned maybe later on. But uh, is it a running back by committee, or is there one guy there?
1: That's an interesting question, because we still don't really know the answer to that one either at this point. They talked coming into this season about how they wanted to lean more on that, quote, traditional running game. Brendan Armstrong, the quarterback, was their leading rusher last year. Uh, but they talked about that hopefully that not being the case this year. You said they had a lot of different rushers, but four eight guys got carries last week. Four of them were running backs, and then four of them were, at least nominally, like I talked about, quarterbacks. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out because listening to Bronco this morning or this afternoon, it sounds like they're still intending to get some of those quarterbacks involved in other ways. Ira Armstead is the backup quarterback and he finished tied for the team lead in carries Jake Rodriguez is a true freshman quarterback who at least long-term the plan is for him to continue to be a quarterback, but it sounds like this year, they're going to get him involved in that. If you look at the depth chart, they have a spot on the depth chart called just FBP football player <laughs> is what it stands for. And Keaton Thompson, the guy from Mississippi state, I talked about earlier, he's listed as the starter at football player. And now Jake Rodriguez Uh, That first-year quarterback, he's listed as the backup football player. He wasn't on the depth chart at that spot last year. So so to answer your question, it's a running back by committee and not just running backs as part of that committee. Wayne Talapapa has been the starter at running back for a while, the last couple of years here, including this year. But he's a guy who – he's a lot more effective in short-yarded situations. You know, fourth and three, third and three, third and two – down near the goal line they're confident that he can he can get that job done but he's not a guy who's a really big threat to break one I think his career long is 31 Uh, they don't have a lot of long career longs for any of their running backs Mike Hollins is the number two running back he's back this year after opting out a year ago he's always been the guy who looked like maybe that threat to be a big play guy but he like I said he opted out last year as a true freshman two years ago he had a big fumble at Miami and then that kind of got him in Robert and I, the offensive coordinator's doghouse. He didn't play a whole lot after that one. So it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of fits in and if he can maybe be that potential game breaker guy, but yeah, it's hard to say what they're going to look like at running back because we don't really know. They, I don't know if they necessarily even know. I think, Ideally, they would have somebody emerge and be that number one guy they can lean on. But really, these last couple of years, they haven't had that from the running back spot. And so I think they've kind of cobbled it together the way they did last week against William & Mary. And unless somebody emerges, that's probably the plan going forward.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, their quarterback. Illinois also uses their quarterbacks at wide receiver, too. Isaiah Williams and Deuce Span are probably their two two guys who've been the biggest play guys on the whiteout for the whiteouts. So they're both former quarterbacks too. So I guess that's, maybe that's a thing now, um, but uh, yes, we, <laughs> it's hard
1: to keep. And then it's even harder with UVA because you have quarterbacks where 98, 99. Because, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge to keep track of where everybody is all over the field. Is
0: it, you're now the Virginia starting quarterback had a really good day throwing the ball as well. Is there a, is he, is, is that his thing? Is he throwing the ball? You mentioned he led the team in rushing too. So is there a, is there kind of a, is they have a balanced, pretty balanced attack? Is that the goal or are they going to throw it more, run it more? Or what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, they like, they like to use their quarterback in that kind of dual threat manner. Going back, going back to Brendan Armstrong's the starter. Now Bryce Perkins had been the starter. He was the guy who, who was the starter uh, on the coastal division championship team two years ago. He's, he's definitely Brendan Armstrong's more of maybe a fullback straight ahead runner as a runner. Whereas, Perkins was more elusive, more top-end speed. But they definitely like using their quarterbacks in both manners. And Armstrong last week, uh, it was a big week for him. He completed 67% of his passes. He only had, I think, two games last year where he completed more than that, did better than that. He also didn't throw any interceptions, which was something that especially early in the year last year kind of plagued him. Early, in, they'd get behind in games, and he'd maybe try to do a little bit too much and uh, make bad decisions. It's something he talked about. He didn't wanted to, he wanted to focus more on coming into this year, being more patient with his reads, not necessarily trying to force the ball to his first option, seeing what else was available. And he seemed to do a better job with that, especially as the game went on on Saturday night. Again, like we said, you look at the stats and it looked like he had a great game thrown for 300 yards. He missed a throw early in the game. Uh, their second possession, first play of their second possession, he had a guy, uh, Dontavion Wicks, a receiver, wide open downfield, would have been a 71-yard touchdown pass. Those numbers would look even better, but uh, overthrew him. So, But then he connected with Damiq Starling, another receiver for a 69, 65-yard touchdown uh, in the third quarter. So they're definitely looking to do that. The other thing to keep an eye on is the guy who was supposed to be a big part of this offense this year wasn't a big part on Saturday. He was hurt. We don't know exactly what, but Bronco says – He's good to go for this weekend against Illinois. Uh, tight end Jelani Woods, 6'7, 265, another grad transfer. He was originally 6'7. He was originally a quarterback at Oklahoma State, and then they moved him to tight end uh, toward the end of his first year at Oklahoma State. But he's a guy who they really wanted to get involved in the offense, and we just didn't see much of that on Saturday against William and Mary. So Wicks on the outside is a guy they like his speed. Rayshon Henry's another receiver who all he does is catch touchdowns. He had another one on Saturday night against William and Mary, but they're trying, he's a guy who wasn't as involved last year, but they're trying to get him more involved, not just down near the goal line this year. Uh, So yeah, they have a couple Billy Kemp's a guy who they really like his hands. He's also their punt returner had a nice big punt return uh, early in the game against William and Mary to set up the first field goal, but he's a guy who they're hoping maybe can break a few more plays As well, So they have options in the passing game. Armstrong has options. And like I said, he looked like a more efficient quarterback on Saturday night. So he's definitely the definition of a dual threat. He didn't even run all that much. He had two touchdown runs, but finished with zero yards rushing on Saturday. So he didn't run as much uh, on Saturday. I don't know if that's something they're holding back on as well. So, but he's definitely, it's a versatile offense and they try to come at you in a variety of ways.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned the the punter turn. That that's the one area where Illinois is really good. Is their punter? Their punter's really good. So Blake Hayes might be the team MVP right now. Uh, <laughs> the, the kicker McCourt. McCourt hit two fifty plus yard field goal. So um, maybe it's the special teams that's going to be their their positive. So I don't know. Uh, is that you know, Virginia? What is the season supposed to be like for Virginia this year? I mean, what are what are their expectations? What are they thinking as far as? In the ACC where when where can they finish I mean obviously it's Clemson and then everybody else but where do they think they fit fall in line here
1: now externally the expectations weren't terribly high coming into this year they were picked fifth in the coastal division out of seven teams so at least externally the the expectations weren't as high but internally the last time they played division play last year the ACC was just one big division with Notre Dame at it as well but the last two years ago when they played in the Coastal Division UVA won it and so that's kind of the the baseline internally now the expectation is to be an eight win nine win team and compete for that Coastal Division year in and year out so that's kind of the thinking around the program and I mean the Coastal Division it's it's like UVA UVA winning it in 2019 made it seven different teams in seven consecutive years winning the division. So every year it's it's just so topsy-turvy. Carolina was the team that was supposed to be the favorite this year. And then last Friday on opening night, they go into Blacksburg and lose to Virginia Tech. So who knows what the Coastal is going to look like this year. Uh, Tech obviously sent a statement by winning that game. Miami, there are some high expectations, even though they looked the way they did against Alabama. Is going to do that to teams, I think. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Um, Pitt's always laying in the weeds there as well in the Coastal. So I don't know. Internally, like I said, the expectation is to compete for that title and given the silliness we see, the coastal chaos, as it's been called these last couple of years in this division, it's, it's not an unrealistic expectation, especially when you have your starting quarterback back, when you have all five starters on the offensive line back, when you have a bunch of starters back in the secondary and on the defensive line and everywhere on the defense, really, which I realize is probably the case for a lot of teams in college football this year, given the bonus year that a lot of guys have gotten because of COVID. But yeah, I think this is a team that, I would not be the least bit surprised if come November they're definitely in that mix competing for another division title because it's a reflection of where this program is and also the way the division just shakes out. It gets silly sometimes. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. We, uh, it's, uh, we're it's we joined here by Damon Dillman from Cavs Corner we're talking about the Virginia-Illinois game coming up this weekend. Um, it's going to be a 10 a.m. Central time start, so I think it is. So it's an early early game, early morning game. I guess that leaves you the rest of your day um to do something (laughs) yeah i've got
1: some grass to cut that i'll get to eventually (laughs) when i get home
0: so we haven't really talked about the virginia defense except to say that they played extremely well against william and mary which as we know could be is a little bit about virginia maybe but also about william and mary being a little bit depleted and also you know just not very good in, in general so what is their defensive strength though going into the season when you look at things what would you say their strength is
1: Ah, uh, that's an interesting question again, because they've kind of shuffled the deck a little bit defensively. They've kind of pivoted uh, schemes. Traditionally, they've been a 3-4 defense since Bronco has been here, but at least last week against William and Mary, and I think this is going to be the case moving forward, they're pivoting a little bit more to a 3-3-5, getting that fifth defensive back on the field more, uh, more consistently. I think that's a reflection of Number one, it's just where the game is at this point with the way teams try to spread out. offense, Offenses try to spread defenses out and just having that fifth defensive back on the field to counter that. But also, this is a UVA pass defense that gave up 304 yards per game last year. I think they were 123 out of 127, bottom five in the country in pass defense last year. Worst, worst performance for UVA pass defense in program history. So they've done a few things to kind of right that ship and make that tweak. They shuffled some of the assignments on the coaching staff, with more of an emphasis on uh, the defensive backs. They brought in a couple of grad transfers to kind of add depth and experience and competition to the defensive backfield. And yeah, they've pivoted to this three-three-five. So I think their hope is that the secondary will be more of a strength this year. The linebackers are the obviously you lose a linebacker when you go from a three-four to a three-three-five, but I still think linebacker is a strength. They've got a senior, Noah Taylor, who is a guy – he's more of an edge rusher who seems poised to have a big year this year. He's gotten bigger. Uh, he's been a starter for a few years now. They have a start, second-year starter inside at linebacker, Nick Jackson. He's a junior who was the only preseason All-ACC selection on the, on the entire team this year. He finished he, – he was among the league leaders in tackles last year. He had 12 tackles last week against William and Mary. He's a guy who's just always in the middle of things. Um, and then the defensive line has a couple of guys who are back for that additional super seniors, as they call them at UVA, back for that extra year because of COVID. Uh, they have Mandy Alonso and Atiba Atarawa are the two the two ends who are back for the extra year. And then in, in, at the nose, they have a guy who started a lot in 2019 and then opted out last year. Um who's back, Aaron Famui, who's back this year. And he's a guy who was really disruptive down the stretch in 2019, made some good plays, then opted out last year. So he's kind of getting back up to speed. He didn't do a whole lot against William & Mary. But it's, I think the, the, the one biggest strength for this defense as a whole would probably be just that, that veteran experience, guys who've played a lot of years in this, in this system, even if they've tweaked it a little bit, uh, guys who've played a lot of football for this coaching staff and know what kind of the expectation is where they need to be. Um, So, yeah, we, I mean, again, not to belabor the point, but they looked really good against William and Mary. Uh, I'm really curious to see how they look this week and how it looks this this week scheme-wise and what other tweaks maybe they make. Because they've got Carolina. They're going to Carolina next weekend. So they obviously want to be all tuned up and ready to go for that one in Chapel Hill next weekend.
0: Yeah, this is a, I think this is an interesting matchup. It's a game where, you know, obviously Illinois is, uh, you know, they looked, they, they've looked at times like they're pretty good and they've looked at other times like they're, you know, that they've struggled. And uh, for Illinois, the biggest key is, you know, Nebraska made some mistakes and Illinois capitalized on them and they did not do that against UTSA. And they made a couple mistakes that hurt themselves, you know, whether it be penalties, whether it be a, a miss, a muff punt, messed up punt, um, turnover situation so uh, i think that it sometimes it comes down to to uh, who's which seems going to make the mistakes and, yeah. and you know capitalize here when you when you get two teams like this so um uh, so i gotta ask you i put you on the spot here i always do this with all of our guests gotta give me your prediction for saturday and um i don't know how much research you've done on on illinois but uh what are your thoughts on uh, what's going to happen on saturday
1: do do I need a score or just a prediction?
0: Um scores, whatever you want to do. We we won't we won't like come back at you if you get it wrong. So it's
1: okay. My mentions aren't gonna blow up on screen. No, Twitter no not at all. We'll make sure we don't. No, I blow. think I think UVA wins this game. I think uh I think just some of the things I talked about earlier in terms of when you have that starting quarterback back and the offensive line and some of the playmakers who've been in this program for a few years now, they're still trying to get some of those other guys more comfortable in bigger roles, but then the experience they have on defense as well. I don't know, like I said, like I've been saying, I don't know if they're necessarily as good of a defense as they looked last weekend, but I do think they're going to be improved defensively. Bronco Mendenhall a defensive coach at heart, and this coaching staff has always done a really good job of when something's not working, they spend the offseason and they figure out how to fix it. A few years ago, they struck Broncos first couple of years here. They struggled against the run and then they went out and fixed it. And they've been pretty good against the run ever since. So the way they struggled last year against the pass, even if you go back to the last couple of games of 2019, when they won the coastal, uh, they played Clemson in the champion, the ACC championship game, they played Florida in the orange bowl. And that was kind of a learning experience for, for them from a pass defense perspective too. Uh, I think, I think the between the tweaks and some of the other moves they've made I think they're going to get it fixed at least to a point where they're not giving up 300 passing yards a game which even if they improve it's it might still be mediocre but that might be enough because Bronco said Bronco had said coming into the season if they had a better pass defense last year that's two more wins that's 7 and 3 instead of 5 and 5 so this feels like one of those games where an improved defense gets them a win that maybe they didn't necessarily get last year um, like you said, Illinois is still kind of figuring things out two games in with the new coaching staff and some of the things they were able to do against Nebraska or capitalize capitalize on against Nebraska. They weren't able to do that last week. And so this is their first time going on the road too, for an early morning kickoff. It's 10 AM central time. Start Bronco himself talked today about how he thinks it's challenging for early kickoffs. Uh, especially when you're crossing time zones and, he's a lot more comfortable being the home team in a scenario like this. So I think that'll be a factor too. I don't know necessarily how much the crowd will be a factor. It was pretty good on Saturday against William & Mary, but UVA is not always the most for these early games. They're not always the quickest to get into the seats, especially the student section. So, but no, I just think UVA is at a point at the program where if they want to do the things they hope to accomplish this year, these, even in a non-conference game, these are the kind of games that they need to just come out and handle their business. And I think they're going to do that on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I, I the line I think has has been up around thirteen or something like that. Is it that
1: last I saw was I think 10? I hadn't yeah, seen I it. I saw get one
0: that. thirteen. It was kept going up. So I, I don't know it, but it seems that we'll see what it's like at the end of the week. But I, I really I, I like Virginia. I'm not sure. I think Illinois may compete a little better than that, though. I think it's a touchdown. I, I have like an eight point uh, spread for me, uh, Virginia, uh-huh. Virginia winning. So um, that's my my take right now. I, I think Illinois. One problem they have right now they they don't have their starting quarterback. They're missing some starting wide right receivers. Um, they're missing some. I've got some. they starting running backs out. Um, they lost their best defensive linemen. So, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see how these things play out. But um, until they get healthy, I think it's going to be tough to play to beat a team like Virginia.
1: Yeah, and contrast that with UVA, by and large, is pretty healthy, especially. With the news today that Jelani Woods, the tight end, is good to go. The biggest injury right now on UVA, they are missing Lavelle Davis, who was supposed to be one of their big play receivers. He got hurt in the spring. But in terms of in season, the biggest injury right now is Josh Hayes, a a corner, one of those grad transfers. He came in from North Dakota State and got hurt in camp. But He, I don't know necessarily, they've had some other guys emerge in the defensive backfield and I don't even know necessarily how much they miss him right now, maybe just from a depth perspective. So yeah, that's obviously another contrast going in here is that UVA is pretty healthy.
0: But Illinois does have a really good punter. So they have that going for them, Blake Hayes, team MVP. So I guess that's a, that's what they always win the punting battle. That's what we're just going to, that's our positive for Illinois. We're just going to use this every, every pregame. It's like a it. cannon
1: going off when he kicks it. Boom.
0: It's pretty good. And it seems yeah. like he's great at pinning the guys inside 20. So they just give up more yards when they go 86 yards or 80, 92 yards for a touchdown instead of UVA's punter.
1: UVA's punter <laughs> is a grad transfer from Florida. He was pretty good at Florida. Jacob Finn, his first punt on Saturday, it was like It was like boom and all of us in the press box were like whoa but uh his second punt was off the side of his foot not as impressive so i don't know maybe there's edge illinois in the punting battle we'll That's our, they gotta have one edge <laughs> you gotta have one
0: advantage all right hey man hey david thanks for joining us really appreciate you coming on the show uh today we're looking forward to the game on saturday um early morning game and uh it should be but it should be a lot of fun
1: hey brad i appreciate it it's great to meet you thanks for having me on
0: That's David Dillman from Cavs Corner joining Sturdy for 30 this week as we're previewing the Virginia-Illinois football game. Um, Should be a fun game. The line ahead to uh, Virginia on Friday, and they'll play in the game Saturday. And like we said, 10 a.m. Central time starts, so bright and early. Thanks for listening.